0: Good morning! Today's episode is being recorded at 7 o'clock in the morning on June 4th, 2021. So, hello, 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 and welcome to another Naked Onion Mystery Tours podcast, where we have real people in real time discussing real life. And today's episode is about the Me Too movement, excuse me, and my personal story, concerning my Me Too uh, situation. I have met so many women over the course of my adult life who have a story concerning a man who didn't take no for an answer, and this is my story. So I'm gonna start it off by letting you know that I was 19 years old, and I lived in Tampa, Florida with my family, my mother um, my mother worked a lot she worked for the post office. she didn't have a lot of time to educate us as far as sexual education or men or what we should do when a man comes up to us and engages us and speaks to us and what is their intention? I mean, there's a whole storyline behind a child. We, we don't just grow up being whores or sluts or prostitutes, strippers, you name it. I mean, there's some damage behind us there. And uh, I was pregnant. I became pregnant by someone that I thought loved me. But I didn't have any concept of love. I didn't know what love was. I figured that attention from a man meant he loved you. I was 19 years old and didn't have much as far as an education. I did go to, you know, I went to school, but they don't teach you that either. When I was in school, they showed you videos On hygiene, what to do before and after school, washing your hands, things like that. But there was no sex education. Even at 19, I didn't know a whole lot. So at 19 years old, I became pregnant. And I called the individual to let him know, hey, we're pregnant and I was—I didn't think anything of it. Hey, we're pregnant. Okay, great. I called him up and he said, nope, not mine. This isn't my kid. So as you can imagine, I was distraught and my mom knew I was pregnant and I told her what he said and she said, okay, next step. He's nobody. Don't worry about him. We're moving forward. And she did some research and found Lifesaver Ministries in Gloversville, New York, and wa- wanted to send me there. Told me that I, that I should have the baby, but I'm going to give it up for adoption. And she sent me to New York. She basically told me what was going to happen with the baby so from that point on um, she got a plane ticket for me packed up my stuff put me on a plane sent me to new york i had to i had to go to i think it was albany new york and then the people from lifesaver ministries complete strangers Picked me up an hour away in Albany and I had to ride with them to Lifesaver Ministries in Gloversville, New York. And it was more like a it was a hunters setup. It was owned by a Lifesaver Ministries church up there and it was old it smelled kind of moldy but they had little bungalows that you would sleep in and then they had a main house that you would come and you would eat all your meals there in the morning so i was barely showing when i arrived and i the full term of my pregnancy i stayed there in in gloversville or Broad Albin, New York. Sorry, the church was in Gloversville. They got the food for us from a food pantry and it was things like donuts, Chef Boyardee, ravioli. I don't remember a whole lot of homemade food there. And I ended up putting on 190 pounds during my pregnancy because of the food that I ate. And um, come to find out now, now that I'm 52, I found out that I have bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, who knows what else you go undiagnosed with. So back to back to uh LifeSaver's Ministries. My time there, imagine being a free-thinking, bipolar human being and having natural frustrations. Um, like I would mail a friend, I would send a friend letters, and they would actually open my mail and read it, and then reclose it and send it. Can you imagine? (laughs) I got in trouble more times than I can think for the things that I wrote about the place. I was frustrated, I was 19 years old, I was pregnant, and any time I did something that they didn't deem appropriate, They would put me in a room, and it would be for 24 hours until I said, you know, I'm so sorry. Please let me out of my room. I apologize. Um, It wasn't anything bad. It was just a teenager being frustrated. And the foods that I was eating, I can only imagine what it did to my mind. And that's a whole nother podcast. But um, the foods weren't nutritious and they would get upset with you when you put on weight. I was 190 pounds for a long time. I'm 170 now. Um, But thinking about 20 pounds, for me, that's kind of natural. You have another human being in your body and it's, Nothing that you should be punished over, um, we did free work while we were there. They had um a hunter's cabin. It was a hunter's cabin, so a lot of the a lot of the times the hunters would bring their meat into the kitchen. we would clean it, dress it, cook it, and They had a big hunters festival, but we were not allowed to go, which I can kind of see now that was probably a good idea. Um, They had chapel. We would go to chapel every day. We would go to school every day during the week and then church on Sunday. Um, They sat us separately from all the other kids. They You know, they would talk about our pregnancy and use us as as examples and talk about how horrible our behavior was. And, um, yeah, that's something that you take with you for the rest of your life. You know, as you grow up, you think you're this terrible person because you like to have sex. Um, There's really nothing wrong with it the only thing I can say about having sex to possibly somebody younger is that protect yourself. Um, Don't have a child until you're ready. And unfortunately, if you don't have any educational background, if no one gave you any sex education and no one told you how, to react to a man or what to prepare yourself for. Situations like this happen. And I see it, I see it on the daily now. Now having a child out of wedlock is the norm. So um, we had doctor's visits and the doctor was really rough. I'm not really sure why but I thought to myself, if this is what going to the gynecologist or the OBGYN is like, I don't, after I'm done with the pregnancy, I don't want one. I don't don't wanna be around a doctor like that. So it's kinda set the, it set a baseline for what I looked at as an adult in people. She, um, she was a harsh person. And my perspective was I was a child, basically. That's the mindset that I had. I was a pregnant child. Um, so there was another time we were allowed visitation from our family, and my mom and my dad came up to visit me. And my dad was angry because I was pregnant and he was angry because I stayed in trouble. And in his mind, it's not that hard. It wasn't that hard to be a good person and just listen to these women and do what they tell me. But what was hard for me was there was very little compassion and yeah, there was very little of that. So I supposedly, I didn't behave the way they wanted me to. So while my dad was there, he gave me a talking to and so did my mother. They were very upset with me so my time that I spent with them wasn't quality time. And they went back home. Um, the house mother took us to all our appointments, drove us to school. Um, she, she was the one that read our mail. She's the one that made our chef Boyardi ravioli. She's the one that... That would go to the store and get us two day old donuts to snack on. She was an unusual person, unusual person. And at the end of the preg- pregnancy, I had to, they gave me a big stack of papers and wanted me to look at them. And I had already picked out the mother that I wanted, it it was actually a friend of a friend of my mom's. I thought, nope, this is what I want. This is the person that I want. And she spent a lot of time trying to get me to change my mind. She gave me stacks and stacks of papers to read. And Finally, my mother had to get a lawyer because that's what I wanted for my child. I didn't want, if I'm not going to be there for her, I'm going to at least have a good person that's going to help her be a success through life. That's a whole nother episode. We'll get into that. So we finally won that. My mom paid a lot for a lawyer up there in New York and when it came time for me when it came time for me to have the baby um i was overdue i forget how many weeks i was but i just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it was past my due date and they said the only way that they were going to The only way that they were going to do, um, that I was going to have that baby was a C-section. And the only way I'd have a C-section is if I was going to have a seizure. I also had a diagnosis of epilepsy. So this, when I'm under a lot of stress, when I was a child and under a lot of stress, I would have a seizure. So, um... They decide to take me to the hospital to induce me. And they're giving me, I think it's oxytocin. They give me that to stimulate the pregnancy. So it would have the baby. And I ended up being in labor for 38 hours, 38 hours, no human being, should ever have to be in labor for 38 hours. That's a long time to be in labor. Um, like I said, they, they said the only way that I was gonna have that baby was if I was gonna have a seizure. And I remember at one point I was in so much pain with the pregnancy that I started to scream. And the house mother was there and, um, I mean, I don't know, it was like 30 hours in or something like that. And I was screaming and she said, you know what? Why are you screaming? There's no one here. No one's going to hear you. So that I will never forget. So I ended up, I stopped screaming And I, I said, I felt like I was going to have a seizure and they needed to get this baby out of me now. That was at the 38th hour. And, um, they took me into surgery and the baby had defecated in inside of me because she had been there for so long. So they had to clean up my intestines. Oh, it was a mess. It was a mess. And then they put them back in me. I'm I'm lucky to be alive, I believe. Um, then they put my intestines back in me, closed me up, and sent me back to my hospital room where I woke up to agonizing pain, so much pain, and I was bleeding. So, um, you know that was a harsh reality of being pregnant and being in another, another state where no one cared about you. And, uh, and that was a parent. So I was in the hospital for three days after that. And I don't remember the pain medicine situation. I do remember the pain. The pain was agonizing. I was, Literally, I had no idea what I was going to do. I just wanted my mom. Um, I called her. I told her what was going on. And she said, it won't be long before you're home. Just hang in there. Um, So on the third day, I'm still bleeding. I, I... I don't know what made them send me, home, send me home. I got on the plane, my sutures were bleeding. Um, by the time I, I had to put a pillow on my abdomen, I just wanted to be home, that's all I wanted. I just wanted to be home, I wanted to be away from those people. Um, I put a pillow on my abdomen, um, they rolled me in on a wheelchair, I sat there and cried the entire trip home. And when my mom came to pick me up, I was crying off the plane. She pulled the pillow back and there was blood all over it. And when I got home, she checked me for a fever. I had 104 fever. And then I blacked out. I do remember her calling the doctor. They didn't take me to the doctor. She called the doctor. And... I woke up to being fever free. It took me a while to recover from that. And I still, I have a really, it's, it's an ugly scar. It's not terrible, but I still have it. And I look down and I say to myself, I got myself in that position because I didn't, I wasn't armed with knowledge. I didn't have somebody that had knowledge that could inform me. My poor mother didn't have knowledge about that kind of thing. My father, now that I'm older, I understand he was a kid. He did the best he could. He didn't have knowledge. I look at women nowadays. I ran into a woman at the gym the other day who had a baby and she was like, "Mm mm-mm, you know, her mom told her pretty much this, we engaged in conversation and I told her more my story. And she said that her mother was trying to do the same thing. And she said, that's such an outdated way to think that women are alone and they, they get themselves in these positions. No, that is not accurate. They're talked into it. They're manipulated by men. I mean, I wasn't a young lady that wanted to have sex. You know, I learned about sex from the boys at church. That's where I learned about sex from little boys. Hey, I'll like you if you let me do this or, you know. That's how I learned about sex. So there was nothing, nothing deviant about it. I wasn't sitting around saying, how can I manipulate this young boy into getting me pregnant so I can keep him trapped for the rest of his life. That's not what I thought. I just wanted to be loved in a nutshell. And there are so many layers to this onion that I couldn't possibly touch base on every single thing. So I abbreviated the story for you so you would understand. Anybody listening out there, hopefully this resonates with you and you have questions and you want to ask. You are a beautiful human being. Everybody's beautiful. Every person has a story. Every person has an experience. Every person rises like a phoenix. And the ones who don't are oppressed by their own mind and the people around them. They listen too much to the outer chatter. So the pregnancy didn't stop there. The adventures don't stop there. Um, There wasn't one day that went by that I didn't think about that little girl. She was cute. And I did get to hold her for probably 10 minutes before her parents came to pick her up. And if you're wondering why I'm not crying, I... Believe me, I'm 52, so I've done my fair share of crying. But I understand now this was her destiny. This was the universe saving her from, well, I don't want to say saving, but she is doing what she's supposed to be doing right now. When I look down at her, And I was sitting in that hospital bed and I was just holding her. And let me tell you, she was nine pounds and a few ounces. She was a huge baby. She was a toddler. I was carrying a toddler around inside me. And I looked down at her and I I said to myself, you are going to be something. You're going to be somebody and you're going to do it by yourself. And, um, I want to say 15 years later, I got to speak to her and it was exciting. She was a child though. And I was having all of these emotions. I just wanted to be her friend. I wanted to know her. And at 15, she didn't have any fears, so she was fearless, so she would talk to me. She, we would have long conversations. I mean, they weren't frequent or anything, but we got to speak to each other, and she told me what her interests were, and she, she was writing. By the time she was very little, she loved to write children's books, and you name it, she was writing. She was always writing. That was her passion. And, um, you know, then I didn't speak to her again till she was 18. And then she invited me to her birthday party up in New York. And I was super excited about that. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going. I'm going to see her. I just want to be her friend. I love her so much. She doesn't even know. Well, of course she doesn't know. She doesn't know me. She didn't know me. So I went up to New York and um, my mom got a hotel room and rented a nice car. And um, we hung out there at their home, her, her, um, her mom's home. I call her her mom because she put in the work. She did the time. You know, I'm her birth mother, so I did the work there. I put in the time there. Um, Absolutely no love lost. And I got up there, and I think her mom was a little bit afraid of me. And I can understand, because the entire time there, you know when you feel resistance from somebody you know when you have chemistry with somebody because the conversation just blows and the energy is there and, the, and there's love there and there's no expectations. And when you're done with the conversation, you can share your phone number or not. It was the moment that was important. So... Um. yeah I think I brought up a book there was a book uh, just to give you an example there was a book written by Oprah and we were all sitting out they lived on like a beautiful property and it was like an acre or two and we were all sitting out in the yard and I think um, it was her mom her mom's friend my mom and and I'll say my daughter and we were all sitting there and she expressed her mom expressed um, that she thought what she thought about Oprah, which was not positive. And I can't say verbatim what she said, but she said she didn't like the book. She thought it was blasphemous. So she, she was giving all kinds of opinions about the book. And I said, a totally benign comment. Like, have you read the book? And in a nice way, like no poor intentions. I didn't intend it to be bad. I just wanted to know, did she read it? And she, she started yelling at me and she said, I don't need to read it. I don't need to read that book to know what's in it. And I was like, okay, that was an, that was the energy for the rest of the weekend and um we had gone to the gone to church with a family and the pastor mentioned my name and called me her mother called me my daughter's mother well after church she was my daughter was very angry about that she said you're not my mother i explained You know, maybe that's not the intention of your pastor. He was just letting everyone know that I'm your birth mother. So there was a lot of fear there. And the fear grew. It was ongoing. So our relationship kind of wavered. I didn't talk to her much after that. And I think my mother talked to her, but she didn't talk to me. So I know, I'm sure there's, there's some aggravation there. There's some frustration. There's some resentment over the unknown, but that's kind of what happens. It's like, you, you know, she'll figure it out. That's the way I look at it. She'll figure it out. Um, I did see. My daughter, after my mom died, my mom did pass away and I went up there for four days and hung out with her and I was totally myself. I dropped the F-bomb when I had to drop the F-bomb and I was authentic 150%. I didn't act like somebody else. I'm not Mother Teresa. I don't talk like Mother Teresa. So um, she had a good time. I don't know what happened. It seemed like we we had that chemistry, right? And then after that, I never heard from her again, which is fine. I mean, we're still connected on Facebook and Twitter and I think Instagram. And I have a better understanding of what she's going through. And she did say to me, she barely knows me, you know, anytime I talked about anything concerning the past and that's true she barely knows me so i'm 52 now i'm hoping she talks to me at some point but i'm not attached to that i love her very much from afar i know she's doing great things she's a beautiful human being and i even think she got engaged which is awesome he he was a young man that I met while I was there he's a beautiful human being. So I'm not a whore, I'm not a slut. I'm a beautiful person. I know this. I've been a nurse for 12 years. Before that, I owned a restaurant with my husband. Before that, I owned a salon, a nail salon. So I've done many things. And now I own my own home. And I'm still a nurse. And I just wanted to share my story in case anybody wanted to listen. If you have a story of your own and you want to be on Naked Onion Mystery Tour podcast, please send me an email to kjo 2 underscore nine nine at yahoo.com or send me an email to K J O two two zero zero nine at outlook.com. I appreciate you listening. I hope that you find all the love that you can handle and you have a beautiful day. May kindness be your sword. Much love to you. Namaste, my friend. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to Naked Onion Mystery Tours Podcast.